0: Hello this is Maurice Harker. For almost 20 years we've been building a team of hundreds of clinicians, coaches, mentors and people just like you who have discovered and love to teach life-changing principles. Our coaches have made a special investment to make sure you can hear these messages. You will hear stories of triumph and healing from specialists and people having a real life just like you. We hope to increase your awareness that you're not alone and there are so many others who are enlisted in this work to train and heal the whole family. You will find these principles are an amazing synergy of the most accurate, cutting-edge science with familiar gospel principles. We are passionate eternal warriors, and we hope you will join us.
1: Hello and welcome again to the Life Dragons They Fight podcast. I'm Karen Broadhead here today with some awesome eternal warrior coaches, Rosalind, Kelly, and Markel, and myself are here to share with you our part two episode on the power of a team. I love that the that just the word power and team are together. Because it's a great thing to consider if you want to feel more powerful, more power, more empowered in your life. It's amazing how in my life I've had experiences where I can't join a team because then I'll be so vulnerable and people will know how weird I am, you know? Or I can't join a team or connect with somebody and really be vulnerable with them because that will reveal just how different I am or off I am or how I think that's different, you know? And such a lie. Oh my goodness, that is such a satanic lie because I can see why Satan would be motivated to tell me lies like that because I he knows that one of the amazing things we can do to overcome him is connect with other people and connect with ourselves in a better way. I can't believe how much being part a part of a team and connecting with other like-minded warriors in battle trying to navigate their own Life and their own challenges in battle has helped me to connect with myself better, see myself more clearly, and to really be able to navigate that space of what's true and what's not true about me, about the mess in my life, about my family member, when I can hear and see other women or men in battle. And how they're handling it, or what kind of help they need, and consider what do I know about this? Because there are so many things I didn't know I knew till I joined a team. But it gives you a place to voice what you know. Kind of neat. All right, we want to go back to this document that describes Satan's five tactics to keep us from the power of team, but before I do, I just need, I just really I have to hear, I guess I do have to hear all of you gals' voices before we get started. Has it always been easy for you to just connect with people, or has that been a tactic Satan has used on you as well?
2: What do you think, Hill? Yeah, definitely a tactic, and one he still uses to disconnect me. In fact, he takes me out completely, and it's not very fun. And so, navigating that is a challenge, and remembering that I do have other areas that I can connect when I am disconnected from teams. And I think that the lie that Satan really tries to get us to believe is that, you know, we have to do it by ourselves. So, first, we have to do it by ourselves because if we ask for help, we're going to be embarrassed. And look bad because we need help. That's the lie. When we know the truth is we all need help. We all need support. We're all learning and growing and making mistakes and and improving. And the other one is, you know, I have to do this all alone because there isn't anybody else. And that is also a lie because there are, is always somebody. If If above all, you know, if there appears to be no humans available, God is always there. And so we are never alone because God is always there. And remembering that while we're having those battles is, is important to help us to keep reaching up to God, reaching out to others and remembering who we are. Yeah, I like that a lot. Ladies, what
1: do you think? Just a, yep, I'm excited to talk about this. I just need you to say hi to people
3: whatever oh well i'll definitely say hi i'm so excited to be here this morning and i i love this little team that we're on this morning it's been so fun to be a part of this oh good
4: i love this context that we're talking about teams in because it has changed my life i totally bought into satan's whispers once i got married that The only person I needed in my life was my husband. I didn't need to have friends outside the marriage. And so when things started going bad in the marriage, I had no one. And excuse me, he told me I needed to just pretend it was all good. Nobody would understand. And it was all my fault. So excuse me, when I found this, this truth made all the difference. It made all the difference because then I had, I found a support group helped me and just take out all those lies that I always, like Mark Hill said, I always had God to turn to and he loved me still. I mean, Satan was even telling me God couldn't love me the way I was. And so God loved me still. And then I realized that I could tell other people and they wouldn't shame me. They would understand. They would help and support me and yeah, changed my life. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty big. This power of a team is pretty
1: big deal. Like literally if you think, I don't know what to do with myself. I would say just go start connecting with a team on purpose and you're going to know what to do with yourself. Like a like-minded team. That's awesome. Like, I think that's why God says, let's, let's counsel with each other and let's commune together. Let's, have ward families and families because he knows that doing mortality alone or feeling alone in mortality makes it so much harder for us to connect with him. So good. So we're just gonna read these again just so you can hear them. It's so worth reading them. So we've already talked about this one. We're gonna go ahead and read this one. And I'll read this one and then we'll go to the next one and, and talk about it. So the the part one of this team episode. We went over this one. So if you're like, oh, I really want to hear what they had to say about this, then listen to the coach's episode just previous to this one. So these are the five tactics Satan uses to keep us from the power of a team. Number one is I can do it myself. Worse cannot and should not be fought alone. That is why God gave us each other. We are a team. We all play different roles and at different times, these roles include team captains, coaches, mates, and all the members of a given team. All of us have battles to fight. We must understand that we need help and support from each other. Getting help is nothing to be ashamed of. It is not a sign of courage or strength to run, to offer to run into the jungles of Vietnam by yourself in an attempt to win a battle. Knowing when it is time to align yourself with a team often is a matter of spiritual life and death. If you struggle to fight more demons than you can handle alone, it means that Satan is so intimidated by you that he has assigned a lot of demons to attack you. This means you are a bigger threat than you thought, and you might need a little extra training and support. Don't get this wrong. The team cannot compensate for your un- or your unwillingness to give it your best effort. Self-sufficiency builds self-confidence. But when the enemy starts to hit you with more than you can handle, it is an indication that you are a bigger threat than you thought. And it is time to get the teammates or fellow warriors together to take out the foe. All right, so... We discussed that so much about, I can do it myself. That tactic Satan tries to get us all to believe that we should do it by ourselves. That we have to ask for help or if we need help or can't figure out how to do stuff by ourselves. That that's one of his big tactics to keep us from the power of a team. And then number
3: two, let's see, Kelly, can you read number two? I'd love to. Isolation, number two. On the other hand, it is human nature to want to prove that we can do things by ourselves and don't need the support of teammates. I want to do it myself is a phrase you hear from children at a very early age. It is is an important part of development to learn what we can do by ourselves. It builds self-confidence. It is also true that in each developmental stage, of life, the individual is working on developmental issues that separate them from the group or the team. This is where Satan gets really tricky and really cruel. He uses the momentum of healthy development against us. Here is an analogy to illustrate the point. Imagine that you are observing a cat of prey pursuing some kind of deer or antelope bird. The cat of prey follows the herd until they get a bit complacent. Gradually, the cat of prey cuts one of the deer or antelope away from the herd. Then the cat continues to hold a position between the herd and the individual deer. The cat also keeps the lone deer away from food and water. Eventually, the cat wears the deer down to the point that it is vulnerable to attack. As an isolated entity, the deer has no chance. Hey, dude, I really just feel like in order to prove my strength, I need to run into the forest of Vietnam alone. That's an independent, stupid soldier.
1: Okay, so let's talk about that isolation here. Like, how can a team protect you from this tactic, and is have you seen that before? Something comes to my mind, but did something come to you girls' mind where you're thinking I've seen that happen literally in my life? That
3: Kelly, yeah, I I've definitely experienced that. One of the things that I experienced when my husband had a stroke, I felt so alone. There was hundreds of people surrounding me, you know telling me things constantly and I I was in such a spin that it was so difficult and he told had me convinced that I needed to just withdraw and figure all all this stuff out myself you know I needed to figure out what where I needed to live I needed to figure out you know if my husband needed to go into a home or not I needed to figure all that out by myself but these people Weren't actually there to help me; that they were just throwing things out. I, you know, I—it's very, very difficult to navigate when you're in a spin, and the and the adversary knows that, and he totally pounced on me that I was alone in this, and that these decisions had to be made, and I was ill-equipped to make them. And they—they they had such an amazing team in hospitals for these situations. But because of my inability to recognize the need for the team and my feelings of isolation and my natural man tendency to withdraw when I'm going through hard, I I didn't even let the ward in really for the first couple of weeks. You know, people would say, what can we do to help? What do you need? And I'm like, just, I'm fine. Just i I'm just got to figure things out, you know again, I think all of these things always stem back to to the number one. I can do it myself, but I felt very, very alone and and the mess that I felt didn't have to be quite as messy if i'd if I'd have been able to recognize, wait a minute, there are people here who have experience with these issues and have experience with how to help. People in my situation. And because of my spinning out and buying into, I just need to be left alone and let me just think about these things. But the the fear and the anxiety and the total despair that the Lord had me in, I'm not the Lord. Scratch that, was the Lord that Satan had me in was overwhelming. And I absolutely was a victim. I had no chance of surviving that, and and I suffered for quite a while before I could get things back together.
1: And Ellie, do you remember what what when you when you decided I'm no longer going to do that?
3: Yeah, I you know I had some really amazing experiences with my heavenly father sending people to me that could penetrate that wall. My Bishop, he worked at the high school that was just down the street from the hospital and he came every day and in a kind and loving way, helped remind me of who I had on my team. Sorry. And then I was able to say, wait a minute, I don't have to do this alone. And he, he just, his being there every day. He came and we were in the hospital almost three months. So that was quite an effort on his part. So it 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 was about three weeks before I finally could fill that wall start coming down and could allow myself to say, yes, I do need help. And yes. And it was overwhelming to me, the kind of help that was already available and already had poured in, but I had been unwilling to see and take advantage of the power of my team. Oh, good.
2: You know, isolation is a horrible tactic that Satan uses. And sadly, you know, you have this whole team around you, but when you've had something such as betrayal trauma things that others might not understand, you know, they may be really wanting to help, yet they say the wrong things. And they really, shame comes in. So really, we can't talk about isolation without talking about shame, because that's the other tactic that Satan uses. And so what happens sometimes when people are really hurt, you know, and they are have these, Comments that create more shame that, you know, people will go into isolation because there's so much. And then navigating, okay, who is on my team and finding those people that do understand and see what your goal is that you're working towards is important. And it's important to keep trying. (laughs) And, you know, I struggled with that for probably over a year it was over a year and you know it it was very isolating until i did find life-changing services that did understand betrayal trauma and that you know i wasn't you know it wasn't really it wasn't because i was bad or because i wasn't doing something right you know I was trying to do things right. But, you know, the comments were coming. Well, you should try this and you should try this. And you're not doing that, you know, and that was not the truth. So just remembering when you face really hard trials and it feels like your teammates are your enemies, we know that that is not true, you know, and we have to keep finding, keep searching for what will help us with the trial that we're going through. And instead of isolating, continuing to turn to God, praying and keep looking, keep asking, keep seeking, and you're going to find the help that you need. And actually how I found out about, you know, the different things that I needed was taking an Eternal Warriors training course. And totally not good timing for me. I had a lot of things going on and we needed enough people to create a class. And my friends were like, come on, come on. And it actually ended up being the best thing for my life, really. And helping me to get the tools that I needed to actually regain my strength and be able to move forward and out of the trauma and the horrible things that you know i was facing so it's a tough place to be in and it can you know happen there are people that are on our team and we need to just remember that satan tries to make people feel like they're the enemy when they're not mm, that's so good
1: well meaning people who just don't have a clue about how they should approach a really sensitive place that They've never experienced. Tricky, so good. So, was it Eternal Lawyers that you found before you joined, like the Worth Group?
2: Yep, yep, yeah. I I had never heard of life changing services. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> and so, and it was you know probably about part way through the Eternal Lawyers training. I'm like, okay, what else is there? Are there therapists? Are there? And so, yes, that's how I you know was able to be led to you know, a good therapist, work group, and definitely had a great support team there and still do if I, if I need that. So that's great. And it, you know,
1: when we're isolated too, we can't escape a lot of times that shaming voice in our head that we're the only one that would have something this dysfunctional. Hmm. scary this awful and also I love Kelly how you pointed out being in a transitional place something unexpected happening which happens so much in our lives right we find out about you know a health issue that's big that's going to be life-changing for our lives and without even knowing that's where we're headed we are submerged into this place of wow, this is hard, that there's a tendency when we don't know what to do, and we've never been there before, to not even believe anybody should help us, you know, that we just should be by ourselves. I love that, but Hill, I also thought it was so awesome that you connected shame to isolation, that the thing that drives us to isolation is shame, and your kindness in saying People mean well, but if you are feeling isolated and really experiencing some trauma, the, and Satan's tactic to use that enmity, you know, use that, that's your enemy. Those people are your enemy. I can see why, you know, lots of people we know maybe think, you know, the church isn't a safe place for me. People don't know how to handle me there. You know, how to, how to be nice to me there. Or, you know, so we isolate. But whatever Satan can do to keep us isolated, he will do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So good. So, Rosalind, what's your experience with isolation when it comes to grieving?
4: That's such a good question. Because he really hits you with, <clears throat> you're the only one. This and. He'll either, I've noticed with the people that I have counseled, he either keeps you stuck there, that you are a victim and you're forever going to be, or makes you feel bad that you're still there, but convinces you that nobody else will ever understand. And so there's just no hope. Yeah, You don't feel like anybody understands, because nobody really, none of us grieves the same. I mean, everybody's, The way you grieve depends on the moment from you're born, how you're brought up, everything you experience affects how, when tragedy happens, how you're going to grieve. So nobody really totally understands what you're going through, but there are people who will understand that. And so they'll be patient with you as you grieve. But you just don't think there are any people like that when you're in the midst of it. It's a totally isolating thing. At least it was for me and has been for so many people that I know. And so to find a team of somebody, I remember the first time that I attended, it's called the LDS Widowers and Widowers Group. They just meet once a year, twice a year. They have classes on how to make it through the grieving process and what to do about insurance and all this stuff. To sit down and recognize, wow, all these people kind of get it. They don't think you're weird because you start crying in the middle of it. Why are you crying? Who knows? You know, so finding a team was so vital there. So, yeah, isolation happens in any difficult part of life. Satan jumps on it and just says, Nobody's going to understand. You can't say anything about it. Just be Mm -hmm. quiet and stuff it.
1: Good. Yeah. And it's so good to notice how all these tactics are kind of intertwined and connected, right? It's so, so awesome. And I love that you've all pointed out. How incredible it would be to just know, yes, I feel isolated. This is really hard. And this, the people that are around me right now might not be the people that are the healing team I need in a hard thing, but they do exist because everybody's having very similar human experience, cause those kinds of emotions that we are experiencing to just keep looking hoping and researching and asking around is there something that I could do you know thank heaven's people write books about things right that's that's one thing that helps us but really connecting with someone else i kind of think that's why podcasts have become so popular is because it's a connection that's safe for people that they can find some relief in other people experiencing things without having to go somewhere and actually say me too you know so uh, yeah
2: so good all right we're gonna read this next one here so Markel all right number three is talk in your voice Satan wants to isolate each of us so that we cannot become united in our efforts to defeat him he does this in the most subtle way remember he is the most subtle beast in the field He has figured out how to talk to us in our own voices. We become convinced that we are talking to ourselves. Modern psychologists often refer to the satanic talk as negative self-talk. The satanic talk is the most definitely used to isolate us from the team. Okay. And we've, you know, we've kind of talked about this all along our last
1: episode, right? And this one, but one thing I would say on this one is if you don't have an awareness that not every voice in your head is a trusted voice, and you think that the the shaming voice in your head, the degrading voice, the negative voice that's telling you, you, you shouldn't be like that, or you should be better, or you could do that different, or wow, you blew that again, all that stuff. You think that that's your responsible voice. It's keeping me responsible and accountable. It's the thing that helps me to to be better when I'm noticing that wasn't good enough. You're not good enough. You need to do better. But they also could be so tormenting and awful where we notice we are thinking thoughts in our head that we've never heard before. Like, and they make us feel like we have this identity. We didn't know it was so scary. You know, when I became a new stepmom, my husband and I blended our families, and we, he had two children, ages six and almost four. And I had one child, and he was almost three. And, you know, now, 28 years later, we're in a whole different spot. But at the time, you know, I had no idea about talking, Satan talking in my voice, that he could float thoughts that would influence my feelings. And then I would take action that wasn't aligned with who I was and look around at my results and think, the worst person. So my stepchildren were so kind, extremely obedient, very well-mannered. And really loving kids. And I just assumed it will be so easy for me to love them, just be so easy for that to happen because they're so nice and I love their dad. But because becoming a stepmom and blending our families caused a great transition in the way I had to interact with my, you know, with my son that we'd fonded so much, me being a single parent for. You know, for some time, just him and I gets the world and there's a lot of things that we, that I had to adjust that he was just having a blast with these two new friends, you know, but it was affecting me so much as well as my, you know, how you have a new marriage and you're like, okay, now we really are seeing the real, right? We're really seeing the real. And it's still wonderful, but there's some real things here I wasn't expecting. I didn't quite consider. So you're navigating all of that. And then you're in this real, um, I don't know how to be a mother of three children. And I don't know how to do this. But I really was convinced. I would hear things in my head that I was just a horrible person. That I thought I was a nice person, but I'm not. I'm terrible. Because I'm having thoughts about a very nice child that has, I've no reason to think naughty thoughts about them. And why can't I be kind in my head about them? And I just really thought, I, this is revealing what a broken person I am and how I'm the weakest link in this family. And because what we've done was so significant, both my Husband and I had been through some significant trauma, and then we blended our families. and He'd been single for almost five years with his two kids in full custody, so I just really had desire to do good, but my mind was telling me otherwise that I wasn't good, and I was the weakest link in this family. Everybody else, looking from the outside, even my husband and children, they all thought everything's just fine, where you're just fine, and w- if. If I would have asked anybody's opinion, what do you think of what we're doing over here? They would have said, it's miraculous. It's so awesome what you're working on over there. But I was thinking, I'm the worst at this. I'm terrible at this. I'm gonna ruin this family. And I believed that so strongly that I was gonna ruin the family because I couldn't stop thinking naughty thoughts about nice people. Innocent, nice people, I thought that yeah, I have a problem. Something's wrong with me. And it wasn't until I, you know, I just revealed the truth to my husband. I said, I don't think I can stay here. I don't think this is going to work. And he was so shocked. Like, what? I said, I don't think this is going to work because I'm going to ruin this family. And he was like, huh? No. I'm going to ruin this family because I was being so tormented with thoughts I'd never experienced before. I didn't think I was that mean of a lady, but I was mean in my head. And then I could be nice on the outside. It was so, so just saying that out loud and then him realizing, okay. And I said, I need, I need help. I think I need some help because I can't really tell you about my mean thoughts because that will make your heart hurt. And I can't really, you know, so I just found this class in a community, like, you know, this, the mental health, you know, I know there's something called like Davis mental, health, Morgan mental health, and you can go take free classes. There's one they were having about step parenting. And I asked my husband if he would come to that class with me. And within two weeks, that woman who was a step parent to eight children had all grown up but had so much experience in step parenting she said something that just released so much of the pressure i was feeling she said you don't have to love your stepchildren it's not required you have to be really nice to them you it's like you're their best aunt and then she said that's just a really great way to approach step parenting And it gave me permission to choose things without feeling forced to do things and feel things before I was ready to feel things. And it was like, all of a sudden I was in a whole new place because she said, I didn't have to love people. I could just be nice. And I was like, I am being nice. On the outside, I'm totally nice. I am being a nice aunt. And she was telling me that's a good step-parent. And I was like, Good start, cause I can do that, you know. And but it was just until I decided I need a class, I need a community. But I could not believe the voices in my
3: head that I had never heard before. Big deal, Kelly. I I know that that was one of the things that drew me wholeheartedly into life changing services. Is that thought? I know when you know going back to those things that you think are being revealed about your personality, but they really are satanic. I know I had those same thoughts, not nice thoughts. When my husband had a stroke, it was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I wish he would have just died. You know, that was not me. I really did not wish he would have died, but I was hearing that constantly. And I mean, Whenever I would have to help him with anything, you know, it's like I hate you so bad. Those are the kind of thoughts that were coming through my head, and I was so riddled with guilt and shame. I could not take it, and I got no relief until I went to Karen's class and and went through the Eternal Warriors program and and learned that truth. And oh my word, I felt like I lost a hundred pounds. Of guilt from my chest and and my heart, you know, because I, I'm a nice person. <laughs> Those were not nice thoughts. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that, that that you shared that with with me, Karen, because I know that you were my, my vehicle. I'm glad that there was someone else that was your vehicle to help you with with that in in the team situation. So anyway, I love. I love that anytime I have one of those thoughts, I know exactly where that's coming from now. And it's not me. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. So good. That negative self-talk, you know, Maurice Harker says there's no such thing as negative self-talk. We are good people who think and want good things. So when you have negative talk about you in your head, that's influenced by Satan. And it, you know, that's a hard thing to believe a lot of times because you're like, wait a minute, what about my responsible voice? Right. So good. All right. Well, we are out of time. So, yeah, thanks for being with us today. Markel, do you have any final
2: thoughts? Mm. I think just remembering that our teammates, they really are our allies. And, Remembering that we do have an enemy and looking for his tactics that are trying to disconnect us and separate us. And just remembering that there's always help all around you. And Satan is the one that's trying to make us believe that there isn't. So just remember there is hope, and we can sometimes we might have to step out of our immediate team just to have somebody else help us to have a different perspective and viewpoint. And that's okay.
1: So good. All right. You know what? There are two more tactics that we haven't covered. One is shame and embarrassment. And the other one is enmity, making us fight with each other. And because we're putting a link in the show notes, we invite you to go read. Read those thoroughly. And consider for yourself, how would a team, how have I noticed that having a team or a connection has helped me to to overcome that satanic t- tactic in my life? Yeah, oh gosh, totally. Can I just say, we've got to say where to find us, right? We have to say that. We want you to come to to find us. Obviously, I think as you're hearing us, you can... Here that just because they call themselves coaches doesn't mean they ha- don't have a real life, right? Doesn't mean that they haven't experienced kind of the, some of the weird things I have. Sometimes that's the most powerful part of connecting to someone who's been somewhere that you've been. Is that piece of understanding that I could trust them because they understand what I have been through or what I'm trying to discover here that I haven't quite yet understood. But because they're just a little further along on this path than I am, they can mentor me. They can help me through this, the tricky part of this journey. So that's one great reason for you to reach out to us and set up a consult just to talk about where you're at, because we would love to just help you to understand Maybe the next right thing that you could do to find the strength of a team that will help you in your specific situation. So good. All right. Lifechanging services.org. You're looking under or the gosh, I'm pretty sure it used to be the training and support, I think is what it is now. Training and support tab. And you're looking for the coaches page. And you'll find lots of Eternal Warriors coaches there. And we hope that you'll come and chat with us. Really. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Thanks, Rosalyn and Kelly and Markel. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. As you can see, we are very enlisted in what we have learned and hope to teach. If you have found today's message inspiring, please share this podcast with family and friends so others can enjoy and be edified along with us. Be sure to download the free book that holds all the core principles behind what we teach. This book is called Like Dragons Did They Fight? You'll find a link for that free download at LikeDragonsFree. And remember, you can find all the life-changing resources, programs, and trainings needed for you and your family at LifeChangingServices.org.